What's up, everybody? Welcome back. This is Cody Michael. I'm joined, as always, by Seth Ott. Oh. And Jared Buckendall. I am a piranha. I am from the Amazon. You watch out. Jared's going to bite your pecker. (laughs) (laughs) We are socially constipated, and this is the Entertainment Outhouse. Uh, Back after a one-week hiatus, we had uh, some editing problems with our recording couldn't couldn't save the audio got corrupted so yeah on my end unfortunately i don't know if people uh, know this but we had an infestation of beavers and they bit through all of my wires so unfortunately my audio recording was uh, just corrupted yeah look out for them beaver wires <laughs> it was a real mess so then jared had to spend all weekend hunting beaver and it sounds like you got a few pelts over the weekend hopefully your wires are all set up Oh, man, I'm ready for the winter. I'm, it's going to be a warm winter. That's all I'm saying. Uh-oh. Oh, wow. Probably lots of wood in, in, in Jerry's future. <laughs> Sounds like it's going to be a damn good time. Oh, um, my God. There we go. Entertainment Outhouse. Uh, we're going to touch on a couple of the things that we were going, that we touched on last week. We did a whole show. Uh, we just couldn't put it out after it was recorded. So we'll touch on a few of the things that you missed from last week and get you into some new this week as well. Uh, Shang-Chi, of course, the big release from last weekend. We'll be talking about that as well as some really exciting other news when we get into our headlines and things. Before we do jump into things here, let's start by letting you know sociallyconstipatedpod.com is the place to go for (laughs) all of our social media profiles, all of our episode descriptions, comments. You can join the mailing list out there and of course become an anchor wanker. Send us a couple of bucks each month to keep the show going and growing. Lots of new stuff coming out over there. So if you haven't been lately, make sure you go check it out. Sometime soon, there's a new page going up for Gridiron Grunts. And who knows? Maybe you get some other upgrades out there as well. So keep an eye. That's just a little little tease for you. We're getting titillated as well. If this episode comes out on time, which at this point, who the fuck knows, uh, this is going to be releasing on Jared's birthday. The big one six, baby. Big one six. (laughs) Finally going to get that license to drive. I don't know what what is 16. You can finally get pregnant if you want to. A lot of good stuff coming to you at 16. Uh, September 10th, if you're listening to this on the day that it was released, go out to the socials. You know where to find them. At Jared Buckendall. And wish JB a happy birthday. Any plans in progress? You were telling us before the show you got some family time this past weekend. What are you getting into on, on the day of? You wilding out or what? Oh, I'm getting into all sorts of scrambles, my friends. Uh, some legal, some very highly illegal. No, I'm. I have no plans <laughs> right now. I'm gonna go with the flow. I might treat myself to a nice Friday matinee, a nice uh, adult beverage at 10:30 in the morning. That feels right. <laughs> I don't know. We'll. We'll. I'll, I'll be back next week to uh, let you know what sort of scrambles I got into. I cannot wait to find out. Really excited to learn what the 16-year-olds are doing these days for their birthday. I, I just feel so out of touch. So Hopefully I can become a teen mom. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> there you go. You got to get that second season. It's definitely where it's at. So uh, don't <laughs> forget to head out there. Wish JB a happy birthday. Uh, if you want to, send him send him a Venmo or, or give us a, send us some Anchor Wanker funds and we'll get Jared some movie oh, tickets yeah. for, his, uh, for his matinee so he can get that adult beverage. Birthdays all around. Uh, mine's not for a couple of months, though, but everybody around here getting older, gray hairs, saggy stuff, all everything is happening to us. But um, you don't got to be young to watch movies. So we did some movie watching. We got some movie news coming down the pike as well. So let's actually jump right into it. Lots to talk about this week. So let's go ahead and fire up our game time for the week. We're going to get into making the quota. 
What's your name? Fuck you! That's my name! My name is Inigo Montoya. And I quote! In the lost episode of the of uh, Socially Constipated Entertainment Outhouse, from last week we did Making the Quota for a different movie. I believe it was related to Shang-Chi. How do you, pr- how do you properly pronounce that? Shang-Chi? Shang-Chi. Okay. Shang-Chi. You know, I figured we can't waste the game, so we'll do Making the Quota again. This time, though, there isn't a whole lot coming out this week, but I'll go ahead and give you the kind of the theme, at least here. James Wan has a movie coming out this week called Malignant, and so I took a quote from one of Jane, James Wan's movies, so you guys can go ahead and try and guess. All right, can I guess before you even say it? No. Okay. <laughs> so I will give you the quote. You guys are going to try and guess the movie, the actor, and the character name if you can. Quote is, I don't give a crap if you covered yourself in peanut butter and had a 15-hooker gangbang. <laughs> what? This I immediately know, and I'm pretty sure I know all of the things to know about this one. Undeniably one of the great quotes from any James Wan movie. This, of course, is Jason Momoa in Aquaman. I <laughs> no, it is not. Oh, it's man. not. If you could do that, I mean, you would, right? Like, you definitely would do that. Cover yourself in peanut butter and have a 15-hooker gangbang? Yeah. You know, know, for a hot second, I actually thought it was from Aquaman because you sounded very confident with your answer. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm always (laughs) confident. But, no, I was bluffing this time. Hey, I got you once. You usually get me on shit like that. I know. (laughs) Age, it's catching up to me. I don't know. I'm just learning from the best. You got any idea where this quote comes from? I mean, James Wan, the only thing I can think of is it's a Saw movie, but I don't know which one. That's that's the problem. Yeah. I'm almost certain that this is from the first movie. I think this is the first Saw, and I think it's Lee Wanell's character, who Oh, yeah, name you're right. Is, Jasper. He's a photographer. It's not <laughs> <Yep>. Jasper. <sighs> Cletus. Damn it. I'm not going to be able to get it. It's Percival. Ralph McCracken. I think it might be Percival. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, I'm going to say Lee Wanell Percival in the first uh, first Saw movie, Seth. Well, you are very close. Not Percival. <laughs> but it is Saw, Lee Wanell's character, uh, Adam is his oh. name. Oh. Did they ever give, a, yeah. give him a last name? Or yeah, it? it's in there, I think. Hmm. His last name, a little bit of a spoiler alert here, is doesn't make it, is Adam's last name. Oh, uh, man. Adam. A- Adam doesn't make it? Adam doesn't make it. I think he, if I'm remembering right, we'll just blow a bunch of Saw spoilers. I'm pretty sure he's left for dead at the end of the first movie, and then his body is found in a later movie, mm-hmm. if I'm yeah. remembering correctly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I don't know which which one it is, but yeah, they put him back in the original where it all started. Oh, yeah. that's I remember now when that happens. That's a really good twist when it happens. I think I've mentioned this on this show. So I had seen Saw. Seen Saw. I've seen Saw. I've seen it. Like three fourths. I had never seen the ending until like three years ago. Holy shit! Um, obviously it was spoiled for me, but when I actually watched it, I was like, "Oh, dude, this twist is amazing." It honestly, like, this is gonna sound hyperbolic, but I have really specific memories of watching that movie. I actually watched it with my whole family. It was one of the first rated R like horror movies that I enjoyed watching even though it was scary mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and when that twist happened the entire michael family was freaking out like, <laughs> oh shit this is the best movie we've ever seen like we it was a bonding experience for us and it set me on a path with the saw movies to the being a horror fan which mm-hmm. i was not before that movie also the same night we double featured 
with Jamie Foxx's Ray, the Ray Charles biopic. So it was a strange night, but I always remember yeah, this because it was Saw and Ray. It was two three-word single or three-letter single-word huh. movies. Very pretty good night. Very strange double feature. Yeah, they're they're shockingly similar, which is why it stuck in my head. But that that first watch of Saw, and like Saws two and three have awesome twists too. They get made fun of now, including by me, because they suck now. Mm-hmm. But those first couple were groundbreaking, and that, that changed my whole fucking outlook on, on movies. I didn't think I'd say this, but I, I owe a lot of what I think to Saw, of all things, which makes me feel kind of dumb, honestly. Seth, <laughs> what was your first exposure to Saw? Like, did you watch it around that same time, or like much later? Yeah, Cody showed them to me in high school mm-hmm. time, I think. Mm-hmm. Early high school. Yeah, I was trying yeah. to show everybody that would... <laughs> Everybody that would watch, uh, I was trying to show because I was like, "This, this is. You guys ever seen a movie? This is fucking awesome. <laughs> this is cinema, folks." <laughs> so James Wan's *Malignant* coming out this weekend. Probably not going to be able to top his best movie, I think, which is *Saw*. There's some stuff in the *Conjuring* universe that's really good too, but *Saw* is the one for me. It's got a special spot in my heart. Also, I don't think he's doing that *Aquaman* sequel that they talked about anymore, but I would like to see that. I liked *Aquaman* quite a bit, but James Wan *Saw*, Lee Wan L. What was the name again? Adam. Adam brings us the 15 hooker peanut butter gangbang. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the subject of our making the quota. What's your name? Fuck you. That's my name. My name is Inigo Montoya. And I quote. Let us know in the comments if you got the quote and were a champion in game time. We were able to successfully pick out Saw. And now it's time to take a look at some recent developments, uh, taking a look at the headlines out there in the entertainment world. Time for bathroom reading. Sitting on toilet. Sitting on toilet. Seth, feel free to take a nap for the next 45 minutes because Jared and I are going to get really fucking excited about The Matrix. Will do. Plug me in, baby. <laughs> Last week at CinemaCon, there was the first footage that was shown to the CinemaCon audience, which is film owners and the like, theater owners, I should say. And a lot of exciting things came out about that, descriptions of the footage. And this week, there was a website that went up with some like secrety and kind of interactive ways for you to get a hold of some footage from The Matrix 4. Uh, this movie's going to be releasing before the end of the year, I think in December. Keanu Reeves, Carrie Ann Moss are back. You got Yaya Abdul-Mateen, I believe, is being added mm-hmm. to the cast. We talked last week on the, the Lost show about being about being just impossibly fucking stoked for what they're we think setting up in this new matrix four which is called resurrections and where it could go the questions it's going to ask the type of action that it's going to have so this is this is near the top of our most anticipated list jared i think you tweeted that it is your most number one most anticipated movie of the year for the rest of the 2021 did you get a chance to go out and see some of this interactive first look material out there on the web what'd you see if you did yeah yeah i think um you know we'll, we'll talk about some movie box office and stuff i think basically um they were waiting for all of the you know hey are we going to release this movie on time or delay it and i think there was a green light and they're like boom move forward with all of the marketing and whatnot so i went out to the the website did some browsing made a tiktok but you can you know if you're a fan or aware of the matrix you have the red pill or the blue pill and you get to pick. And each time you pick, it's a completely different 
trailer. I mean, I think the opening bit, like there's a voiceover, but the clips that they show or intercut are completely different. I had read a website, I think it was Collider. They said that there's 180,000 different combinations that you could get. I don't think it's 180,000 different clips because at that point you could just make the whole movie. I think it was just the order of the clips and, you know, vice versa or whatever i think that this is like the cool this is the way you do marketing for this movie and i think that that's why it got me so stoked you had mentioned the uh the trailer footage or whatever was seen at CinemaCon, and just you explaining i was like oh man this sounds cool and again i only probably saw like three seconds of the movie in this in these clips but uh, I'm pretty jazzed for it. And again, uh, you know, friends, this this comes out Friday. The actual full trailer has dropped yesterday. So uh, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more next week. Yeah, you're gonna have to let me know how that trailer goes. I'm gonna be avoiding it. I don't want yeah. any of the visuals from this. I, I know for a fact the first Matrix had the classic scene where he bends backwards and dodges. I know that was in the trailer for the Matrix and it was one of the two or three sickest shots of that movie. So I'm gonna pass on the trailer but very stoked for The Matrix. Jared, you brought up a key point, I think, and it's the the marketing and being creative. That's something The Matrix did really well when it first came out in the late 90s. The, the whole ad campaign was, what is The Matrix? And it was very mysterious, and you didn't know much about the movie going in other than it was going to be interesting. I'm glad that it they're doing kind of a similar... In the late 90s, this was Blair Witch was doing a similar thing. Yep. You kind of had to. They were using the, the internet in different ways. I'm really stoked to see them bring that idea back it feels very Matrix that we're getting these little Easter eggy type things that you got to go look for. I, I think it's a cool touch. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing is, uh, you know, there's rumblings or whatever that this fourth movie is going to, not only the way they're marketing and whatnot, playing into the meta of what the Matrix is, but the movie also features, you know, kind of some self-aware meta touches as well. I think... Uh, Again, friends, family, everyone listening, I make content about movies and stuff. I almost might pull a Cody here and just not watch it because I I just want to be completely blind going into this, be blown away. So I might not even watch the trailer. I wouldn't blame you. Yeah, I'm I'm curious, uh... did you did you at all jump out to this website and see like, you know, the maybe 7 seconds of the film or you even didn't even check that out? Didn't even look at that. I saw a couple of screen caps. I saw a shot of the red and blue pills that you could click on. Mm-hmm. And I thought, yeah, I'm not going to go look. I, I don't, yeah, it's like you said, I don't want to know anything. I don't think it's a bad thing to do. Like I said, I think it's nice, cool, creative marketing. It gets people excited, gets the buzz going. And it's probably incoherent enough or without context enough that it's not going to give away the plot. But I don't want to give, I don't want any looks. I don't want any lines. Like I just want it all for the first time in the theater, the way that I saw the original Matrix movies. And so, I don't know. It, it's it's an extreme case for me. Yeah, it's a tough spot to be in if you, if you uh, have a need to put content out around it. But there will be, between this and Spider-Man trailers and content and speculation and things coming out, it's going to be a popular fall and winter, I think, for speculation and spoilery, potential spoiler-adjacent posts out there on the socials. So I, I may have to take all my apps down so that I can watch those two movies <laughs> and, and not feel like they were ruined. But we will see. Probably lots left to come on Matrix Resurrections. But what we do know is that it's coming out this December, and I believe it is same-day HBO. I, I don't know if they're going to keep that plan or not because it was supposed to run through the end of this year, and I know this was originally on that list when they were going to put it out at some point earlier in the year. And so, I, Jared, do you happen to know if they're going HBO same day yet or if they canceled that idea? 
My understanding is that, yeah, they're still doing the same day, uh, day and date and whatnot. But I could see them just being like, oh, you know, we we kind of change things. You know, we want you to go see it in the movie theater. So I don't know. I mean, the thing is, I want to see this one in the movie theater. I think that this would be, you know, play a lot better than at home. Currently, right now, unless uh, there's an update in the next few months, it is, uh, I'm going to say, on HBO and movie theaters, but something can change. I'm hoping for some, like, uh, if Regal or some of the other chains are going to play the old ones leading up to it, I will definitely... I've never been in the theater to see the original trilogy, so that's something that I would jump on. Yeah, and I actually, uh, earlier earlier today, I got off the phone with uh, Mr. Marcus, and they said that uh, all of the Marcus theaters will be playing the uh, Matrix movies, so Seth, you can go watch these. I know that you're just dying to see them and catch up, so... How do you, how do you know Marcus is playing them? I called him. What... What's his number? Uh, two. <laughs> I can verify this. That is, in fact, his number. Yeah, you know it's two. Guess you're going to have to watch The Matrix. Crap. Yeah. I know you're excited. So very. <laughs> <laughs> Let's wake Seth up so we can talk about a little bit of MCU stuff here. First of all, Shang-Chi, we're going to review it a little bit later on. A uh, little bit of a preview. We all dug the movie. And it sounds like America dug it as well. It had a record box office opening. I believe it was right around 80 million. It, it was second to Black Widow in pandemic opening and the biggest Labor Day weekend opening of all time. So even regardless uh, of the, the the COVID of it all, Shang-Chi performed really, really well. Great response. This did not go out same day on Disney+, Plus, so Scarlett Johansson's probably fucking furious. And <laughs> I think it was widely seen as a success. Jared, you, you mentioned before The Matrix, you know, potentially were waiting for that date so that they could then show and and decide to go ahead and put out The Matrix. Probably not the only ones. I know we've seen a little bit of moving Carnage. around. Carnage moved up. Carnage. Uh, and is hopefully now coming out in October, but who who the hell knows? Yeah, it got moved up to October 1st. Yeah, tickets go on sale, I think, tomorrow, or I guess Wednesday of... Tickets are on sale right now, folks. Yeah. It seems like the the fall and winter movie landscape is kind of coming together, and Shang-Chi seems to have had a hand in that. A lot of people were out. Seth and I were at a sold-out, like, fully packed sold-out show for Shang-Chi, which was fun. It was a little nerve-wracking, obviously, to be that close to a bunch of people, but it was a fun atmosphere to be in and, and to be back in the blockbuster MCU kind of mood so a successful weekend for, for Shang-Chi, which I think everybody is excited about. I'm sure Marvel is, is excited and maybe even relieved to see it do this well. And I know that they see it as a risk, especially when you're having someone who's uh, a non-white lead. There's some risk there, but it, it appears to have been greens across the board for Shang-Chi. Jared, when you see this you know, positive response over Labor Day weekend, does it still feel, are you still trying to dip your toe into saying like, we're back or... Is Shang-Chi the thing we can finally point to to say, all right, let's go. Everybody put the shit out and let's go see it. Yeah, I, I think that uh, I saw an overwhelming amount of people tweet out Shang-Chi or Shang-Chi uh, has uh, saved cinema. You know, and obviously with Venom moving up, Matrix, you know, moving forward with their marketing, Spider-Man, you know, I'm assuming staying put. It's, it's a nice kind of uh, indication that people want to go out to the movie theaters, but also I think that there's a big asterisk right now next to it because it's an mcu movie and that is just everyone watches those movies now it's such a like cultural thing of 
everyone loves these movies. You know, you can make that compare or that argument of, you know, it was uh, an Asian-led movie. It's an MCU movie. You know, people are going to go see it no matter what. You know, you put raccoons in the forefront, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy, people are going to go see it. I think big blockbusters are going to do well. They're not going to make their returns that they probably hope for. But this does show that people are willing to go out to the movie theaters, I guess. Seth, you've been willing for a lot of the time, certainly this year. What's your take on this? You still feel like, you know, wow, we got to wait and see some more things? Or has everybody else's reaction to Shang-Chi have you going, yeah, let's let's fucking go, full throttle, we're back? I mean, yeah, I think, I think it's more of like a, this is kind of what the new... I, I hate the phrase new normal, but that's really kind of what it is. Like the expectations of the box office are going to have to be basically adjusted down from where they were at mm-hmm. for at least the next five years, probably I would guess it's just the, the hundred million dollar opening weekend goal that every blockbuster has is just not a thing anymore. If this would have been labor day two years ago, I think this would have made 150 million, not a, not 90 still made a lot of money and still very successful, and obviously for a Labor Day weekend, very successful. But like Paramount pushed everything back because they are a movie studio who isn't as profitable as like your, you know, uh, Disney and Marvel and that that type of thing. Even Universal to an extent or Warner Brothers. And so they're pushing everything back to a point where they can make as much money as possible, thinking that next spring it's going to be that much better. But I personally don't think that it's something the, the box office will adjust with anything. And I don't think personally the virus will be any different you know a year from now compared to now so it's i just think that studios are going to have to adjust for that in the meantime and so the studios like marvel you know i think probably like warner brothers when we see the batman come out next year they're going to keep stuff where they're at and push the marketing because they can still at least make the majority of what they would have made in normal times but i could see something even like a dune that is really it's not an existing ip that people super know you know has a good cast and everything but it's not a big mainstream movie a lot of movie fans know it but your casual person has no idea what it is Mm -hmm. that's not going to do as well but a movie coming out around the same time like spider-man will probably do especially over the holiday that holiday time will probably do closer to the normal figures of 100 and 150 million i'd bet whereas dune will do like maybe 15 to 20 you make a really good point about how th- those numbers of, you know, trying to get, you know, 100, 200 million opening weekend, those are long gone and it's a brand new, new thing for the next like five years. I didn't even think mm-hmm. about that until you mentioned it. But also, I'm curious if this means now that movies might, it's going to be a longer tail thing where, you know, they don't make all of their money up front, they make it over a 24 month period, you know, mm-hmm. that would be interesting to see. I like that. Yeah. You know, keep, keep shit in theaters longer. And I know I say that at the risk of keeping Marvel well, shit in for a year, you know, it is Marvel stuff hangs around for a while, but some of those smaller well, movies that do decently well, keep them in for a little bit longer and let them make some more box office money back. I think what we've been seeing more of though, and I think probably is the move because I think it does make more money in the short term is having a shorter theater run mm-hmm. and, and then hit mo- rental or vod yeah because there's movies out i was just looking at voodoo there's movies that were just out in the theater like well i mean one example it wasn't a big movie was pig that was only in theaters for like three weeks and then it was immediately on vod um there's a couple i'm getting my app pulled up right now like don't breathe two came out less than a month ago i think respect Stillwater, and those Green are Knight. all available on vod right now huh 
Exactly. Wow. Yeah, you can rent these all in VOD. I think they're the $20 rental, but you can watch them all in VOD right now. Yeah. And I think that's probably the move because there's the, well, if so, you saw them in theater. Saw, if someone saw it in the theater and said it was really good and their friend who doesn't want to go to the theaters yet wants to see it, well, boom, you pay 20 bucks and see it at home. Just like the, the excitement of like, ooh, I'm seeing this. This is just, or it still might be playing in the theater too at the same time. Like you might hit that like kind of overlap period where it's in the theater and at home and you can be like, ooh, this movie is in the theater. I don't have to go see it. I'm going to stay in and watch it type of thing too. Maybe you feel like you're seeing it early over some people or whatever it might be. The overall window of money, like the 100, 150 million, like if, if Shang-Chi came out this weekend, it would have the, it, on Disney Plus, you had to pay for it or whatever. It might have that $150 million opening total. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of now we're in a different time with movies and how they are get released. And again, I you know, we all live in our own bubbles and stuff, but on Twitter, I did see a handful of people wish that they could have seen it at home with their family because they either live somewhere or, you know, a different country that they just didn't have the opportunity or ability to go see it. So I'm curious if, you know, maybe in the future, Disney somehow does find a better way of doing the whole dual release where, you know, you have the movie theaters, but also you have Disney+. Plus. All of that streaming stuff is still new, you know, so maybe in the next five years we just see a complete transition of stuff. I don't think they should do what you're talking about, Seth, because it kills the theater. That will kill the theater. It just will. Like, there aren't so many people that feel like they have to go to the theaters that if it's at home, that will kill theaters. And I really don't want that to happen. But I also don't think Marvel will do that. And Disney will do. That. I don't think they'll. Do. I think when they're when they stop doing it, it'll be for good. Because why spend all the extra money on the budget so that people can watch it at home on their TVs? Like why why spend six years of Pixar getting the grass right if you're only going to be watching it on a, a sixty inch TV anyway? You know. So maybe if that happens, it's paired with a decrease in like the production costs. But I don't want to see that either. So I call me old school, call me a conservative or traditional or whatever. I I don't like the quick window to at home. I, I really don't. So I I hope things revert back. But as you've said, you know, it's the new normal is the new normal. It's not really about what we want to have back. It's about what we got to do now. So who knows how all that'll go? But my hope is definitely still that that folks are making their way to the theaters, especially to see the big movies that you know were hundred hundred two hundred million dollar budgets. It feels really stupid to watch that at home for me yeah. at least. Well, Cody, you just brought up an interesting thing too, where you know maybe these studios and whatnot over the next five years they're like, oh shit, you know we we're losing bottom line. Your project is going to get ten million dollars less and you know budgets and whatnot but then that would cause people to maybe be more creative in their filmmaking i think it's already going to happen because i think that doing a budget for a movie you also have to kind of project what you think that's going to make and just in general if you're releasing a movie into the theater right now you have to project that it's going to make less than what it would have so i think when you're giving movie when a studio is giving movie a money to make a movie um if it's not the mcu or dc or like Fast and the Furious, like these big franchises, then you're probably going to get less money. And you probably will even on those movies too because you're still making less money opening weekend than you were in the past too on those. So it's like I, I think that in general there's going to be less budget for a lot of movies. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out this fall especially, which by the way, if, assuming theaters are able to stay open, packed fall. I, there's mm-hmm. blockbusters every week. Very excited to see kind of that. And we start to get into like Oscar season too. So there's going to be no shortage of good movies. Go see them in the theater though. 
instead of at home. I don't like that. Sticking with the MCU for another quick sec, the Russo brothers, Joe and Anthony Russo, who made some of the biggest Marvel movies, of course, Infinity War, Endgame, and two of the Captain America movies. Interesting story came out regarding those two guys. I'm looking at avclub.com was reporting this. Apparently, the as a result of the Scarlett Johansson lawsuit, I want to make sure I get this quote right. So Joe and Anthony Russo have been talking to Marvel about potentially coming back for another superhero movie, but those talks have hit an impasse over concerns from the brothers that Disney might dump their hypothetical movie on Disney Plus and pay them less. Which, duh, like that's the obvious concern if you're Disney, which is I think why it was stupid for them to have that fight with ScarJo. Like everyone sees that and they're like, ScarJo's one of your most important people and longest longest tenured people in this thing. And whether it's true or not, the visual is you fucked her. And mm-hmm. so why would I come back to get fucked? Why would I join your franchise to get fucked? Like when studios or people or whoever show you who they are, you, you should probably pay attention. And it sounds like that's what the Russo brothers are doing here. I think they are in an interesting position of having actual leverage. I don't think many people do with Marvel, and they don't have much. I'm not saying that they are in control or anything like that, but I could definitely see Disney conceding to them certain things to get them back because their movies have all done incredibly well. There was speculation that Secret Wars, which I think maybe is going to be a show now, um, that was one rumor that they would be doing Secret Wars as, as another movie. Um, it doesn't even say whether or not they would they would be doing like a big team up or just another, you know, character intro or another like you know the next Thor sequel or whatever. I don't know. Do you guys think that the Russos are justified in this? Is this something that Disney's going to have to really take like think about? Is what this ScarJo lawsuit has done to their image when it comes to people potentially joining projects? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a thing where it. I I imagine it or I like it to a breakup of which side are you going to take? Because it is pretty difficult to be in the middle and kind of be almost the mediator in these situations. And it sounds like the Russos are definitely going, not the corporation route, but going with ScarJo. And that just, I mean, maybe that just puts a really bad taste in their mouth of, yeah, maybe we don't want to deal with that studio or any of their subsidiaries and we go off and, you know, we do another movie for Apple TV+. I guess those two right there, the... Uh, Russo brothers that's the only one that we've really heard publicly I guess there's probably a handful of other people that are you know friends with them or have sides that have you know kind of made up their mind I I don't know I mean I think it's just a bad thing from a corporate standpoint when they put out that statement you know because they basically just like threw her under the bus yeah and then they Shang-Chi had a fight scene on that bus as it rolled over her yeah exactly Um, (laughs) she was actually in there if you if you pause it at the right second Yeah, you can see her just get rolled over by this fucking bus. It's interesting, Seth, because just like Jared was saying, if if you do take the side of ScarJo in this, and maybe you make another choice, what's popping into my head is is in pro wrestling, there's WWE (laughs) and now AEW is this competitor. And it sounds like, based on some of the stories, that like, AEW is better to work with. They they care more about the talent. Sometimes they pay better. And so you get people who are kind of spurned by WWE making their way to AEW and having success. We just saw this with James Gunn and uh, Suicide Squad had mm-hmm. overwhelmingly positive reception. And it sounds like he had a lot of creative control over there, got to make his movie. 
I'm not saying that the DC is going to come in and, you know, squeeze out the MCU or whatever, or even that that needs to be a competition, but it's not like there's such a shortage of high budget, high visibility projects for people to have alternatives to go to. Like, don't you think if the Russos could go do, you know, the next superhero Superman movie for DC, like maybe they'd go do that. Do you think the presence of the other superhero movies, but then just all of the other just options, all the other studios and things like that, if you're the Russos, are you taking a good look at like what your other options are? Or are you really just trying to get back into the MCU, even if they want to fuck you out of some money? Yeah, I think for them, I might have started looking like right after Endgame. Because I think some of the stuff they've done since then, like they did, they directed that Cherry movie, right? Mm-hmm. And that wasn't super well received, I don't think. I don't know. I, I think that they're, maybe their stock has gone down a little bit just because they've been pretty quiet since, the, since Endgame. They probably, they definitely could go over to DC still and do something there seem they're pretty good with ensembles even going back to like with their work on community which personally i hope they just do a community movie and direct that but if they don't do that then i could see them doing something with dc maybe doing like a maybe they don't try justice league so soon but maybe they try like a titans movie or something like that maybe there's another group in in the dc universe that they can maybe do a movie for kind of like james gunn or maybe the MCU comes with a good offer for them and maybe they do like Fantastic Four. Maybe they, they kind of kick that off or an mm. X-Men or something mm-hmm. like that. I, I do think their stock has gone down a little bit, but I still will be excited to see whatever they do if they stay within the superhero world. Well, also, yeah, I mean, like you're saying, that if they stay in that world, maybe some of these directors, filmmakers, and people, maybe they, you know, they did their thing on the superhero comic book for one, two, three films, and maybe they're just like, I don't want to do that anymore, you know? I wouldn't blame them. I'd get bored. If you sit and think about it too much, like every MCU movie is the same. So you'd eventually get sick of making the same movie, I would think. Of course, I wouldn't get sick of making $100 million for a movie. Yeah. But, um, but how many I don't know. millions, you know? How many millions do you need? That's true. Yeah, if I had a few, I'd want to make some weird shit. I'd rather, <laughs> make, I'd rather make The Green Knight than make the next Avengers movie, I think. Just like creatively, assuming I was already all fulfilled in my mm-hmm. career and all that mm-hmm. stuff. So maybe that's what they want to go do is just what they want to go do. Who knows? A nice option to have. So the Russo brothers, potentially Team ScarJo, if there is another Civil War, they'll be on Black Widow's side. But uh, we'll see how that continues to play out as the MCU continues to build its fourth phase and new info comes out. A lot of really exciting shit, I think, uh, coming for the MCU. But who knows what kind of BS they're going to have to deal with along the way. So we had uh, a couple of MCU pieces of news and then the Matrix Heading up our anticipated list for the rest of this year. A uh, few, few fun stories, a lot to look forward to in this week's bathroom reading. Sitting on the toilet. Now flush. Lots to look forward to, but also lots to look back at. Let's take a look at a couple of the movies that have come out these last few weeks and get you into some reviews. Mom, what do you think? I love it. I hated it. We're going to redo a review uh, that Jared did last week, and Seth has since caught up. So this one is John Cena starring in a Netflix comedy. Jared, why don't you set this one up for us? This is a Hulu comedy movie. I did that same thing last week. (laughs) It's funny. It's funny. Right when you said it, I was like, yep, he did it again. Uh yeah, so this this movie is uh, Lil Rel, and then I can't think of his wife's name in the movie. Yvonne 
orgy or orgy? Whoa, excuse me? <laughs> it's orgy. Okay, <laughs> Yvonne really orgy. They go on vacation. They're getting, you know, engaged, and then they run into another couple and become friends with them, and that couple is John Cena, and then, oh, God, what's her name? Meredith Hagner. Thank you, thank you. She was, uh, she was in Palm Springs movie. And Search Party. Yeah, I feel like we've had this conversation before. <laughs> um but yeah, they go on vacation with them. Shenanigans ensue. They're like best friends. But then, you know, after the vacation, it's like, okay, that was my, I'm never going to see these people again. And then the fun thing is they, they do. And that's essentially the movie. And I think it's a pretty well thought out, like funny buddy movie. Um, again, mm-hmm. I'm a little further, like I haven't, Seth, you're fresher on this movie of seeing it uh, recently. Yeah. So you might have to fill in kind of some of your thoughts and maybe some stuff will pop back into my brain. Yeah, I mean, uh, basically, I mean, you you said everything about the movie itself. I mean, it's exactly what you said, like kind of a buddy comedy. These four, you know, kind of have their their vac- wild, wacky vacation adventures, and then it follows them into the real world. John Cena and Meredith Hagner just show up basically at their wedding. And so they're, you know, they establish early on that there's kind of a, a an awkward dynamic with Lil Rel and Yvonne's family, that basically her family doesn't like him. And so John Cena is, is, you know, working into that that dynamic and helping him out there. Some interesting thing. There's a lot of like, because this movie is very rated R. So there's a lot of like mm-hmm. drugs and a lot of swear words and, you know, crazy uh, situations uh, come up. But I thought it was a pretty funny movie. I laughed quite a bit. John Cena is, it, he, he plays kind of a... Like a like lovable a, oof or doof. Yeah, like an idiot, but also not an idiot. Like he knows what he's doing yeah. and he always kind of have the one up on people but he's also kind of like he just seems like he's not aware of the dumb things he's doing even though it all works out for him in the end type of thing and then meredith hagner is kind of this like she's also kind of that same way a little bit where she just is they're both very carefree you know like just let let the let the day happen um and so obviously because they're so carefree some wacky situations happen but i don't think this movie like reinvents a comedy movie or anything like that it's just a pretty standard solid comedy movie definitely have a few drinks or some recreationals and you know it's on hulu it's an hour and 40 minutes or so i think it's a just a a solid comedy yeah some definitely uh from what i'm remembering just you know some laugh out loud moments some just kind of it's just it's just like you're saying fun i'm trying to find the numbers here but apparently it broke the record for how many people watched it on hulu on really the opening weekend and it was instantly greenlit for a sequel called honeymoon friends so we're gonna Uh see these uh these four return in some capacity Uh oh wow john cena will return uh vacation friends out there on netflix now nah at this time <laughs> <laughs> uh, you tricky tricky i'm uh, i'm sneaky snake sometimes uh snake john snack. cena low rel getting a sequel already so you're gonna want to go check this one out on hulu vacation friends uh, go ha- have yourself some yucks jared this next one is on netflix and honestly i i feel like you talked about this one last week i can't remember what the plot was of this one so you're gonna have to set it up yourself yeah, yeah, this is a Netflix movie, and this one kind of caught me by surprise. I completely forgot it was coming out, but it's called Worth, and this essentially takes place during the events of 9-11, and then it follows lawyer, I believe, Kenneth Feinberg, who essentially volunteers, wants the job to help his country, I guess, somehow compensate all of the families and loved ones that were affected from the event 
by having, you know, the government, how much, like, essentially, how much is a human life worth? Like, that is the question that is posed in this movie. And, you know, we were all pretty young when all of this went down. And I was completely like, I didn't know that, oh, of course, this would have to happen from an insurance standpoint and whatnot. Basically, within days of the events happening, they were like, how do we stop these people from suing the airlines, which would then put them out of commission, which would then put us in one of the worst, you know, economic recessions, which, you know, worse than whatever it was. So it was interesting to see kind of the inner workings of how this all plays out. You know, Michael Keaton is the Kenneth Feinberg character. He also has a handful of other advisors that he's dealing with. But the main kind of opposition is uh, the Tooch, Stanley Tucci. The Tooch. He is kind of the opposition where he had someone he lost as well, but he is way more uh, kind of relatable. The, all of the you know victims and whatnot are kind of siding with him rather than this almost mindless uh, corporation who's just like, we're going to give you this amount of money. And you, and you realize like they have a very generic formula. You lost a dishwasher. Okay, here's 300,000. Oh, you lost a CEO. Here's 15 million. And you can oh see God. how there's obviously a clear and that that is the prime like that right there was the example that made my jaw drop of how could you even consider that that would be anywhere near fair. And again, fair is not the case. And they 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 talk about that fairly well. I think that this was almost like an educational like look into kind of these events that you know had kind of like shaped our country and that we had gone through and whatnot. I would say maybe a little bit of trigger warnings if you knew anyone or you know were involved in this. The one standout or the one thing that really worked for myself was almost the personal look. Like they interview a lot of families and these these families are explaining how this person, you know, what they meant to them and kind of, you know, breaking it down into maybe all the way to like the small quirks that they did, they did in their morning routine. So you kind of, that personal aspect of these people that they lost and how much they meant to them, I thought was the standout for sure. And then, you know, obviously it's based on a true story. So then you get some kind of, you know, end of the movie credits of, you know, some text on the screen explaining what went down and then the other things that happened after the fact. I thought it was a pretty well put together movie again i I like the more personal stuff but when it goes back to our main characters that's when i felt a little disconnected yeah this is something i would never have guessed had to happen Mm -hmm. either so it is one of those things it's like oh shit yeah no this was actually someone's job to do so it does sound interesting i once upon a time was going to become an actuary and i tell the story often I, i started learning about how the people who work for insurance companies like think about you know, human lives and what they're worth. And yeah, I'm exactly like you, Jared. When I see something like that, it so grosses me out that mm-hmm. like I, I decided that that was not what I was going to do. But it is someone's job to do, and it's a shitty one, but I guess Michael Michael Keaton's is doing it in this one. Definitely sounds like an interesting one and one that's timely right now. We just had the 20th uh, anniversary of 9-11, or uh, sorry, that's coming up this weekend. And so, I don't know, feels a little gross to say that they're capitalizing on that, but... Uh, it's on people's minds and sounds yeah. like a, an angle on this that people probably haven't seen yet. So this is fascinating to me. Well, and also this, uh, I mean, just some behind the scenes. This movie was shown at, I think, like a 2020 festival or 2019. Like they've been sitting on this for a while. So I think Netflix was just waiting to release it or maybe got the rights to it. So Well, worth 
is available on Netflix now. Go check that one out. Michael Keaton, Stanley Tucci, uh, Amy Ryan, who was Michael Scott's eventual wife in The Office. What the fuck was her uh, name? That's where Heidi she Flax. was from. Holly Flax, yes. Holly uh, Flax. Heidi. Yep. So a pretty solid cast here. Uh, go check that one out again. Available now on Netflix. Last review, but certainly not least, the three of us all caught Shang-Chi over the weekend and the Legend of the Ten Rings, of course, the newest MCU offering, bringing in Shang-Chi, a Chinese-American character, into the MCU for the first time. This follows Shang-Chi, who has sort of escaped a life of, of fighting and death in China and made his way to America, where he's sort of making making his own way. And then his family and his past kind of come back into his life. And, and I think that's maybe the most basic way of setting this up. What I love about Shang-Chi, first of all, Simu Liu is really good at as Shang-Chi. It, it's a character that feels a lot like most MCU characters in that there's not a ton of emotional depth there quite yet. But, you know, in terms of just being present in the scene, being able to convincingly do the fighting and having a nice rapport with Aquafina, who I also thought was really enjoyable in this. Uh, I thought it was cast really well. I, I think the story was an interesting one. I think that the way this played out, I said to Seth after we left, this felt like watching an anime or, you know, something that was made, you know, in an Asian market. The, just the way that the plot progresses and the way that things kind of ramp and the types of fighting and things that they do. I really enjoyed this movie. This felt like an honest, I think the risk with the MCU is that they're going to like, like grossly represent like, you know, things that should be like well honored and, and Kung Fu and, and just martial arts in general are one of those things. And I don't think they did that. I think they treated everything with respect. I think it was executed really well. One of the common compliments you'll hear is that this, the fighting in this, probably it's the best fighting the MCU has done. You'd have a hard time finding better clips of fight scenes. Is it Michelle Yeoh who plays that lead female that beats ass? The um, older one, yeah. Yeah, she's a standout in this as well. They introduce this fighting style that is totally fresh and so awesome to watch. And, of course, you get, you know, the the Ten Rings. There's There are bits of this that are obviously going to fold in to, to the rest of the MCU that get teased at the end. For me, this was a really good, re, really good introduction of a new character. It's giving us a couple things to jump off from for the next phase of the MCU. And it was really entertaining in and of itself as a standalone. I've got a couple people I'm going to try to show this to just as a standalone who don't already watch the MCU. And I think it's one that you can enjoy if you don't watch the whole series. So I, I'm pretty high on Shang-Chi. I, I, I really liked this. I really don't have any complaints about it. Like, I don't know. It Did it blow my mind? Am I screaming that it's the greatest movie ever? No. But I'd give it, I'd, I'd put it in the high B, low A range of just like really solid, really nice MCU entry. And one that I'll probably see again regardless of like if it's a rewatch i'll either go to the theater or watch it at home again so i like this one a lot very interested to see where they go next with this character and, and with mcu in general what did i leave out any, any thoughts you guys would add for for shang chi I, I believe i'm correct in assuming that you guys were both on the uh, positive side on this one positive for sure i mean the you can tell the inspiration and homages to like older jackie chan movies where he's you know fighting on like construction sites and stuff in that uh, bus scene crouching tiger hidden dragon for sure with some of the fighting styles and whatnot i guess the one maybe it's a nitpick but i felt like you know towards the later second act things kind of slowed down for myself and i understand you can't really have like you know, balls to the walls, fighting kung fu the whole time, or jokes and stuff. But it was just kind of getting the story progressed. It was kind of, eh, I'm like, come on, let's fast forward a little bit. You surprisingly saying, though, that it's a standalone and you can watch it 
without really knowing any of the MCU. I'm playing it through my mind, and you're kind of right. I mean, there's a few characters or a few things that pop up, but this is almost like, hey, you can just pop this one on and enjoy it. You know, there might be a word in a sentence here or there or a character. You won't fully understand why they're showing them, but this is pretty, like, you know, in its own realm. Yeah, I think so. I think it's one of those where the stuff that you'll miss by not knowing the rest of the MCU is inconsequential for the most part. There's one character, I guess, that you can't really get rid of, and they don't explain super well, but easily forgivable or explainable in a couple of sentences. Seth, where were you on this? I know the the origins in the MCU have not been your favorites, but they did twist this one up in a way, and it, it wasn't like your typical origin movie. So, so did you dig this one more than some of those earlier ones? Yeah, I, I did. Kind of like what Jared said, later on in the movie, it does slow down a little bit. I think kind of what you typically get with an origin movie with, I, I think the some of the, the setup or the origin part of the movie takes place at that. They kind of switch around where some of the origin takes place. And so I think that is a little bit more of why I didn't enjoy the, the middle part as much. But I thought as a whole, I really, really liked it a lot. Great fighting great characters i i think um shangxi and and aquafina and mm-hmm. and all that i mean it's great the, the their their chemistry is fantastic some surprise characters kind of popping in were, were really cool too and i'm excited to see what happens with the the future of the the rings and everything like that there are definitely some cool setups the only other complaint i had is i would have liked to have seen more with the rings later on in the movie there's a particular fight scene where it felt like we saw kind of a a a good look at what we could get in the future with the the 10 rings but not a full and complete look yet which i think is a good thing because it keeps me wanting to come back and see this character more and what what this character can do with the fighting and whatnot just would have liked to have seen more in the moment too so probably uh, more more excitement for what this this character holds in the future coming out of the movie than anything else so um, really liked it. Can't wait to see more of that fighting style in the MCU and can't wait to see more of, of that character in general. Yeah, the way that the rings worked were so cool because there was just a wide range of kind of abilities and almost whoever's wielding them, the creativity that they have, that's what they can use them for and whatnot. But going back a little bit, Seth, you had mentioned the, the chemistry between Aquafina and Simu. Is it Simu Liu? Yeah, that's close, I think. I saw a TikTok, and I didn't even realize this. He plays the character in Nora from Queens in the Korean drama episode. The Garbage Boy or whatever. Garbage Man. Oh, my God. Yeah, so that chemistry there, now it makes sense. That's funny. That's awesome. He also, he's got a really fascinating story. I can't, I I need to learn more about him. I know that he was like a, not a high-profile actor before this came up, and I, I don't know how true this is, but I'm pretty sure like he first got engaged with Marvel by tweeting them. When they heard, he, I don't know, they announced that Shang-Chi was one, was what they were going to do. Mm-hmm. And he was like, hey, call me on Twitter or whatever. And they did. And he ended up in the movie. And he was already an actor and everything like that. It's not like he was a no-name, but yeah, very excited for him. And I do, I follow him on Twitter and he's been so stoked throughout the process of, of kind of going through press and all that stuff. So excited for him. And I think he did a really good job. And this is a nice, uh, nice addition to the MCU for sure. Can't wait to see how he interacts with the other heroes because he's very different and, and his fighting style is very different too. So he'll stick out on screen. I'm already thinking of like a couple team up mm-hmm. fights and things like that that he could be doing. Oh, ooh. I mean, and the post credit scenes on this are well worth the wait, I think. Um, they set up some really exciting things for what might be next. And I think they do so in a way that, Jared, you're, you're our resident um, speculator slash payer attention to the, the comic book 
guy, but it seems like the the post credit scenes here don't give away a lot that we know. Like it's it's very like, ooh, I wonder what that is, and not like when Thanos first showed up, and you're like, oh, that's Thanos for sure. You know, it's a little bit more mysterious, which I'm in favor of. Yeah, I would absolutely agree. I mean, I've read a lot of theories, watched a lot of videos. I've even made my own, and it's like it's all 100% speculation. No one knows anything. So it, I mean, obviously stay watch because they're very interesting, but it also sets up a potential of what the hell is going on for the next five to ten years. Cannot wait. Phase four is off to a good start, so we'll see what's next with Spider-Man later this year. Also, The Eternals comes out this year. Still a lot of MCU. In November. Shit, November, December, we're getting MCU. Four MCU movies in 2021. Pretty fun, and a lot more to come yet. So Shang-Chi, getting the thumbs up uh, from everybody here. Worth on Netflix. Worth a watch as well. And Vacation Friends, not on Netflix, but on Hulu. Already greenlit for a sequel. Sounds like a pretty nice comedy. So go check those movies out if you're looking for something to watch this weekend. Mom, what do you think? I love it. I hated it. Let's take a look at some of the things that are brand new this weekend. If you're looking for something totally fresh, Jared, we got a few things coming out here that folks can keep an eye out for. It's coming right for us! Yeah, this weekend, I feel like the next, like you said, the next few months, there's just, every weekend is jam-packed with a bunch of stuff to potentially watch. First up, we have Kate. It's a Netflix movie. Mary Elizabeth Weinstead, I believe that's who it is. It's essentially Crank, but an assassin. I'd skip out on it. I didn't like it. Malignant is, again, like uh, we mentioned earlier, a James Wan movie, a horror movie. Looks like a psychological kind of thriller coming to HBO Max and the movie theaters. Uh, Fun fact, they are sending me a promo gift box that I'm going to make some promo videos for. So hopefully I can watch the movie before that shows up. I wonder what's going to be in it. I know. They've been very creepy about the messaging that they've sent because they said they're sending, they, they kind of listed what they were going to send, but then they said dot, 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 but some spooky surprises as well. So Uh-oh. if I open it up and there's just a box full of bees, I'm not going to be happy. Oh, God, bees! <laughs> the bees! Not the bees, go! They're going to they're gonna send an actor or someone with, too, that's just going to stand outside of your basement oh, window God. and stare at you. That would, that would just tore. I'd be like, okay, this is the first and last promo uh, I ever <laughs> want for a movie. No more promo. <laughs> yeah, boxes, please, please no. We have Language Lessons, which is actually a movie uh, Seth and I watched at South by Southwest. Yeah, yep. South by Southwest. This one I would definitely recommend checking out. It's kind of uh, over Skype. This guy taking um, Spanish lessons, I believe, from uh, this teacher. And it's an interesting relationship and a story that unfolds. Mark Duplass is the guy, and Natalie Morales, I think, is her name. Yep. She was in Parks and Rec as Aziz's. um, Oh, yeah, she was. Lucy, I think her name was. Yeah, the Um, the love interest or whatever. Yeah, who, at least towards the end, he was with. And she directed this as well. Mm Mm-hmm. So I think that that one is going to be on VOD. You might have to look out for that one. But that one is definitely a thumbs up. And then these last two uh, queen pins, which is, I guess, like a high-stakes couponing moms that go out. Kristen uh, Bell, I believe. And Mm -hmm. there's a bomb in Centennial Park. That guy, what's his name? (laughs) bomb in Centennial Park. (laughs) Paul Walter Hauser. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess he's in it. I think Vince Vaughn is in that as well. Okay, I've seen nothing. I don't even know what a poster of this looks like. 
And I don't think it's playing in the theaters around here, so it might be a VOD. Okay, so that one might be VOD. And then the last one is The Card Counter, which is an Oscar Isaac movie. And literally right before we recorded this, I thought it was a stinker. I thought that this was getting bad reviews. It has a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. So this might be a good one to go check out. I'm assuming it's going to be in the vein of, like, rounders or something where a guy... You know, just goes and plays cards and then falls into a web of people he probably shouldn't double cross. Oscar Isaac getting intense. Uh, I am definitely here for that. I I like coupons every now and then. Uh, I do speak Spanish, and I've been called malignant before by people (laughs) named Kate. Uh, Oh, my God. It's a good good movie weekend for Co. Yeah, you guys. Uh, You don't need to pat me on the back. I'll do it myself. Kate malignant. Language lessons, queen pins, and the card counter all coming out this weekend. Thanks, Jared, for running us down those. It's coming right for us! And, you know, with that, as usual, we're going to wrap up our show here. But first, got to give you one more thing. But I'm down to one more, one more thing. Jared brought this up a few weeks ago. I don't remember whether or not this was on the show, but I watched a couple episodes of Untold on Netflix. Yes. It is so fucking good, dude. Like, I watched the Malice in the Palace, which mm-hmm. is Ron Artest going up and punching fans in the in the basketball uh, court back in 05. Really good episode. Uh, I learned so much. And I was a sports fan at that time. Paid really close attention to that whole thing. And I learned a lot that I did not otherwise know. And then the other one was called Crimes and Penalties. And it's basically a story about how a mobster (laughs) bought a hockey team Mm -hmm. and made them basically the real life version of like the hockey team from goon they literally say that this guy was the inspiration for tony soprano this this mob guy and he he bought this hockey team this uhl which is like the the top of the minor hockey leagues bought this team and gave it to his 17 year old son to run and what happened was absolutely fucking crazy. Like, if you haven't seen, like, the Malice in the Palace one is great, but if you only can watch one, Crimes and Penalties, the hockey one, is absolutely nuts. You got to go check that out. I haven't even told you the craziest shit yet. It's fucking wild. So, so good if you're into, even if you're not into sports at all, but especially if you're into hockey, you're going to like that one. So good. I, I want to give that just a quick recommend on Netflix. You have got me sold on that because that one, I, I don't know, somehow over the years I've known of the backstory of that, but I want to definitely figure out the inner workings. I'm curious, isn't there like two or three other ones? Have, have you watched any of those? There's a handful. I watched those two on a plane the other day, and mm-hmm. I don't know what the others are, but I know there's there's a hand, there's six or seven, I think. Yeah, I think there's like a woman boxing one, a Caitlyn Jenner one, and then like two other ones. I don't know. We'll keep you guys informed, I guess. Yeah, we'll keep picking out the good ones and bring them back to y'all. My one more thing. This is a video that kind of came out today, and it's interesting, almost nostalgic. So back in the day, you know, Blue's Clues. The Steve guy was on there. You know, <laughs> we all grew up with Blue's Clues and whatnot. He recently came out with a, a about a two-minute video today, and it's, you know, him as, you know, aged up. Uh, obviously, he went through, I don't remember, was it like cancer or he he got really sick i believe and had to leave the show but he comes back as though he's still like steve aged and talking to the screen as in like we're the kids that were watching him back in the day but grown up and he's just saying like oh wow like you've you've done so many accomplishments and you know kind of like don't forget about all of the hard work you've done and just kind of it's this weird nostalgic kind of feel good like heartwarming video 
because again, I, I just remember Blue's Clues from back in the day. Like that would be second grade. They'd always have TV on before school started, and then we'd catch like the first five minutes of each episode. So this kind of like hit on this weird note for myself. I don't know if any of you two have seen it, but I've seen several people kind of post about it as well. So if you're uh, feeling this weird nostalgia and maybe want to tear up, go check out uh, Steve uh, talking to you. <laughs> yeah, I saw that earlier tonight too. I haven't watched this yet, but I don't know if I can. That's going to punch my emotions right in the balls. <laughs> I was a huge Blue's Clues fan back in the day. I uh, was very torn up when Steve left. I, I, I knew that this existed, but I haven't watched it. I'll have, I'll have to put it in my queue, though, because uh, big big Blue's Clues fan here. My one more thing is a show that I recently, I just caught the first episode of from a recommendation of a friend of the show, Lindsay Monday. It's on Hulu. True crime type show. It's called Only Mold. Only Murders in the Building has Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Selena Gomez. Unfortunately, there was no one with the first name Short to keep that that train going. <laughs> um, kind of a true crime show. It's a comedy uh, mystery. Steve Martin is a like struggling a- age actor. Martin Short is a struggling age director. And then Selena Gomez, she lives in the apartment building. They all live in this apartment building, but she lives in an apartment building, kind of like redecorating it for her, redoing it for her, I think, aunt, she says. Um, And they both, they all discover that they're a fan of a certain true crime podcast. Series of events happens where there's a murder in in the building they live in. And so they are trying to figure everything out uh, when there isn't when there's a simple resolution offered by the police they don't believe it and so they kind of take matters into their own hands so kind of some some wacky type things happen but it also kind of takes itself a little bit seriously too with some some more dramatic moments and some interesting mystery elements that they're throwing in too i think they released the first three episodes all at once and then it might be weekly after that but 30 minutes show so far, I'm really, really enjoying it. So appreciate the recommendation, Lindsay, and I want to keep going with this one. So I'd recommend it too if you're a fan of like true crime or mystery stuff. Yeah, not not only from from you two, I've been hearing uh, recommends from a lot of people. Yeah, I've seen this advertised too. Uh, Martin Short and Steve Martin. So you, you needn't say more to me mm-hmm. or Selena Gomez. I that same rule, different reasons, same rule. But only What's that murders. Reason? She is just really smart and talented. Okay, well said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she also has lupus, which my mom has. So that's an interesting kind of uh, parallel. And I'm pretty sure her birthday's really close to mine. I always just felt like me and uh, Selena Gomez would get along, you know? You ever have a feeling like that? Probably not. Yeah. Right. Uh, Selena, yeah, if you're listening, uh, send in a DM. You better file a restraining order for Cody. I can't be restrained, Seth. Only Murders <laughs> in the Building is available now. Go check out those first few episodes. Uh, check out a Blue's Clues video. That's making its way around if you want to get your emotions punched. And then Untold on Netflix, sports documentaries and pretty good ones. So go check all that stuff out. That's what we got for one more thing. But I'm down to one more, one more thing. And that's going to bring us to the end of this episode. Thank you guys for joining us. Hopefully you enjoyed a nice Labor Day weekend last week and are getting ready to get back out to the theaters, hit the streaming services and watch some new stuff this weekend. Uh, We've certainly given you a few (laughs) things to try out, so you shouldn't be bored. One last time, don't forget about our website, sociallyconstipatedpod.com. Head out there and follow all the socials, uh, like all the episodes, comment. If you head to the Gridiron Grunts page, you're going to find our our, our weekly pick'em contest, so you can always uh, join in that. And of course, all sorts of new stuff coming down, coming down the line from the website as well. So head out there, 
like all the stuff, join the email list, become an anchor wanker. You guys know the drill by now. Wanker. Don't forget, uh, if you're watching this on September 10th, go ahead and send uh, old JB a happy birthday message. At Jared Buckendall. Turning 85 Ooh. years old uh, it's this year. It's been 84 years. <laughs> gonna go get the mail, I assume. Oh, um, hell yeah, man. Yeah, it's gonna be gonna be a really exciting day. Maybe even put on some slacks. I think it's gonna be gonna be pretty fun for you. So make sure you hit Jared up on the Venmo. Send him a send him a drink or a, I don't know a burger, whatever it is. Tell him happy birthday. We are gonna be back on Monday with socially constipated. Of course, next Wednesday with Gridiron Grunts and next Friday back again with Entertainment Outhouse. Assuming I can keep on schedule, which has been a struggle because it isn't traveling last week, but. Hopefully by this time we're back on and you guys can keep an eye out for all of those things. For now, though, we're going to wrap up this episode right there. Uh, so for Jared Buckendall and Seth Ott, I've been Cody Michael. We'll see you next time. Bye.